As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swedenborgian Community Online. Hi folks. I hope you enjoyed our intro today. It's a new one. I just recorded it a few moments ago. And we're all about innovation here and what it takes to allow divinity, allow our higher power to be more and more expressed in the things we do, uh, inspire our creativity in our own ways, uh, in hopefully ways that uplift other people, no matter their tradition, creed, or culture. So welcome to the Swedenborgian online community. We are quite happy to have you here. Today's reflection and prayer service is on overcoming temptation, divinity's battle for our spiritual well-being. So take a moment, get settled, as we recenter ourselves in the present moment, feeling the breath entering and leaving our bodies, And let us open our scripture as we do traditionally on in this community, on this broadcast, representing how divinity speaks to us from a deep place in our lives, no matter what our scripture is, hopefully. And today, a little more specifically, The mystical theologian who inspired our name, Swedenborgian, <laughs> he, Swedenborg, he believed that scripture had a very deep and metaphorical uh, meaning for everyone, and that it transcended just the Bible. And in some cases, it wasn't even true for all the books of the Bible. But we won't get into the technicalities here. Let's just say, divinity hopes to illuminate our healthy living and connecting in a myriad of ways, often in symbolism. Let us also grab our candle and light it on our altar representing how God gives us life 
and illuminates our thinking and our warmth towards each other. Ha. Huh. I hope you're feeling at rest this evening, centered in your spirituality. If not, hopefully we can help uplift that with you. I also want to say hi to you folks in the chat seat. Uh, thank you for connecting live there. I know many of you listen to this later, but if you want to listen live and chat with us, you can head over to Swedenborgian Community dot org and find us at the bottom of the page or dot org slash worship and you'll see all our services there so thank you all for taking the time and connecting directly with us so we all know the christian story the the history that many christians believe i uh, believe this history to an extent that Christ entered the earth, that God incarnated as Jesus. And the reason I say I believe that history to an extent is all of us know this history a little differently. For Swedenborg and for me, Christ had the soul of Jehovah. There is no three persons in the Godhead, as it's often put in Christian reflection, According to Swedenborg, at least, there's just one. There's just one divinity, one infinity of love and wisdom, hoping to uplift each of us, no matter our religion. And God entered this world with a purpose, with a divine goal of connecting with us further, connecting and pulling us, in a sense, closer to him because although God is divine and infinite we go through processes to get closer to him and that was part of the reason God became Christ so our scripture reading today was about part of Christ's journey on the earth and specifically Jesus's 40-day journey in the wilderness. Funny enough, this is the story that inspired Lent. We are filming this and recording this during the season of Lent. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to have a lot of fun in the Lenten season with my friends talking about what we were going to give up and trying to do it often failing. Well, the story that inspired that is a story that you probably have heard even if you're not Christian or don't have much uh, grounding or history in the Bible, and that is Jesus entering the wilderness for 40 days and being tempted by the devil as he fasts. So I invite you to read that scripture. I won't read it to you now. And actually, I invite you to read our entire uh, service sermon for the day that we posted earlier uh, this Sunday at SwedenborgianCommunity.org. So today, this evening, we're not going to follow that service minute detail by minute detail, but I will highlight a few things from the scripture. First, Jesus is tempted by the devil 
And the devil says, hey, you're hungry. You're, you've been out here a while. Why don't you turn stone into bread? Why don't you modify creation, disorder things to fulfill your desire? And often we can do that in our own way. We can feel a temptation to disorder connections around us, disorder the structures in our government, perhaps, that are working for people, uh, just for our own desire, just so that we can eat a little bread. And it may even seem like we're starving. But Christ responds, despite perhaps feeling such desire, he responds, we do not live by bread alone. Humanity does not live by just fulfilling its desire. And so it's interesting that temptation, at least at first in this story, seems to center around our desires and our propensity to just fulfill them, even if it's not exactly right, to fulfill them for our selfish purpose. And I think number two continues this trend in its own way. The devil's like, all right, you're not that hungry, okay? <laughs> How about this? I will show you the type of kingdom you could have if you really got power. You know, you say you're the son of God or people call you that. Uh, you're healing people. Why don't you just take over and look how awesome it is. Just worship me. Worship me. Christ, in response, again, points towards healthy spirituality. Points towards the idea that we should center our being on higher things than our selfishness, than our uh, dominating hellishness, as the Bible and other scriptures describe uh, Satan's devils as being hellish, wanting to hurt, wanting to dominate and control. Jesus says, I'm not about that oppressiveness. That is not my type of kingdom. No, I will not do that. I will serve God alone in God's will. And so, again, Christ centers himself in the higher power, in his deeper understanding of reality. And finally, the devil's like, okay, all right, you worship God. You like scripture. How about I quote some scripture and say, you know, as it says, why don't you jump off of this temple and God will save you. Goddesses, angels will carry you out of harm's way. So Satan, like many of us, is using scripture to get his way. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's often been the history of scripture and how we have used it, even how we translate it, right? Uh, it's always bent towards perhaps patriarchy, uh, domination, where we don't interpret certain things certain ways, of course. And that's more true in how we take it in whatever our language is and use it. We say, well, this is what the Bible says. Gays are wrong or going to hell. And yet the Bible doesn't say that. 
I could I could go on uh, on that issue, but I won't. So we can easily take scripture and use it for our own dominating purposes to use it to create outcasts and uplift ourselves and approve ourselves. Satan's saying, you know, if you're the son of God, if you're God, God's offspring, God's humanity incarnate, why don't you just prove it? Why don't you prove it? And Jesus, yet again, points towards divinity and her qualities. And I'll read from our message today what it says about this. To refute this, the Lord points to the scriptural emphasis that we should always listen for and follow God's holy will. Instead of acting out of selfishness, instead of co-opting everything around us, the earth, power, and God for ourselves, we are called to look for the deeper message, to seek the loving will of love itself and follow that. It was easy for the devil to point to scripture and abuse it. But Jesus pointed out the point of scripture. He emphasized the crucial meaning in the Hebrew texts and allowed that cornerstone to guide his intentions and his actions. Wow. If only we were to truly emulate Christ, how, how much more transformation within and around us could we see? Often we say, I'm Christian, I'm Swedenborgian Christian, I'm Muslim, I'm etc. And that makes me good. I follow Christ, he's my master. Uh, Muhammad's the pinnacle of the prophets. I follow his example and worship God. Um, you know, I, I look to the gods. I look to the various incarnations of God in the Vedas. Um, and I'm a good Hindu person. And people who disagree with me, who don't follow my texts, they're, they're off, they're wrong. But instead, instead of doing that, what if we looked a little deeper and forgot our labels a little bit? At least esteem them a little less and open our doors to others connecting with God and open the door of our heart for us connecting with God in a deeper way, focusing on the cornerstone of God's message, which is living healthily, uplifting our neighbor, the good in other people, as Christ explains it, and uplifting the vanity uplifting God's qualities around us and not rejecting the stranger because she uses other names for God. So with all that being said, I'm curious what you think of this 40-day story. It's an interesting one. We see renditions of it in culture a lot. And I'm curious how you all are doing in the chat seat this evening. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, good. Doing okay, Ward. That's fantastic. Hello, folks. Yes, we're using Spreaker. We've moved recently from Blog Talk Radio to Spreaker. So if you're having trouble listening live especially, then look at the top of the chat. See if you're in the chat. See, you can get to Spreaker that way. Or head to the home page or the worship page, and you can connect that way live. And then for the rest of you, of course, we're on iTunes, uh, Android, and YouTube. 
Facebook and maybe some other places. I'm not sure. So, yes, thanks for joining us. And thank you all for having some patience with the technology. I know it's not always easy. And I promise you, I'm listening to your feedback. I'm reflecting on ways of making it better. I really appreciate your feedback about every, every minute detail if you want to go there. Because I definitely want you to. <laughs> if you have an opinion that you care about, share it. Because I think when we are trying to create space with each other, when we're trying to uplift this journey through temptation, when we're trying to uplift our journey together in worship especially, details matter. It may seem small to some, it may not be anything to the person next to you, but that doesn't mean it's not important. That being said, that doesn't necessarily mean I can change it straight away. So patience uh, with me. Uh, I have, I'm trying to have patience with the technology myself, and, and I really appreciate that. So, yes, the details in our journeys matter too. I don't know what the temptations are for you. Often it, they're hard to really pick out. Sometimes we don't really look at our hearts and their, their details, do we? We don't really reflect on how we reflect. <laughs> we don't really just try to discern what our reactions are and whether or not they're coming from a healthy place. You know, Emanuel Swedenborg, the 18th century mystical theologian who inspired this interfaith Christian tradition, he thought that reflecting on ourselves was one of the key ways to further our peace within and further our connection to God. Kind of like the recent trends in psychoanalysis and psychotherapy, Swedenborg was a big proponent of reflecting on yourself almost as if you were in the third person. Looking at yourself and saying, okay, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm reacting. And not necessarily judging immediately, uh, you know, hurting yourself because of that. But trying to come to a deeper understanding and finding the ways that you believe you're not living healthily. And then looking to scripture, looking towards our inspirations for greater and greater ways to further that journey, further that improvement within and without. And this is one of those stories, very specific story about temptation that I think does a wonder, wondrous job at illuminating essentially the Bible's point when it comes to what we should reject. Because I don't think the Bible's saying, you know, you shouldn't eat, shouldn't create food from nature. Of course not. Nor is it saying reject power or authority. No. Or even connect with scripture and God. Of course not either. We are to reject, though, doing those things for selfish purposes, putting God to the test, and disordering things around us uh, for our own domination's sake. And so Christ's temptation lasts 40 days in this story. And then we're told that, this, that Satan decided to wait for an opportune time. And of course, we see Satan uh, appear again, I think, in the Passion of the Cross and the road leading up to that 
Swedenborg believed that this temptation of Christ, the process of overcoming the hells, overcoming evil uh, within Jesus, lasted almost his entire life. It started when he was a baby. No, not quite, actually. started after he had learned some spiritual truths and become convicted of them. It's interesting. We can often put a lot on our young folks, and we shouldn't. But we should help illuminate their path, help them uh, think about things rationally in their own way, not force-feeding our spirituality to them, but allowing them to find how they think the universe is working, and that may include spiritual truths. For me, I didn't believe in much spiritual truth as a kid. But as we're told in Scripture, Jesus did. He even taught in the synagogues as a 12-year-old boy. And Swedenborg believed that it was once Jesus had this foundation in spirituality and, and some wisdom that he started to battle the temptations within, started to battle the temptations towards twisting those truths, towards falsity, and also towards just selfish, evil things, seductive things often, that seem good to us in our silos, in our uh, orientation towards ourselves, but aren't actually good for the people around us. Not only that, Swedenborg believed that Jesus went through the most grievous temptations of all beings, all people, uh, throughout history and forevermore, because Christ had the soul of Jehovah. Christ had divinity within and was working to embody it without in his external mind, how his rationality worked externally, and even in his body as we see in the glorification when he shined like the sun, and also uh, when, of course, he rose from the dead. In fact, Swedenborg believed that this journey through temptation was so important to us that it's imaged throughout biblical and Hebrew scripture. And before I get there, I want to say the reason it's important is because God is with you in your temptation. God is with you in your own struggles. God is with you in your own battles, conflicts with the devil, with evil, whatever you want to call it. God hopes that you develop more and more of a conscience because there's always room to grow and use that conscience to reflect on your actions and say, you know what, what I've been about, what I've been doing in these ways isn't healthy. It's not healthy for me and it's not healthy for others. And it's not rooting itself in God in the way that I would like to see. So God is with us in all those journeys, which is why God entered the flesh, according to Swedenborg. God entered the flesh to reorder heaven and hell, full of diverse people on both sides. We won't get into that today. You can catch some of that in our past videos, and perhaps our book club on heaven and hell. So God was reordering these things, reordering his connection with humanity, really kind of pulling us closer in certain ways putting things in a more healthy alignment in other ways, and continuing to be with us in our temptation journeys as we fight against our destructiveness. In fact, this fight is so pivotal, so 
important that it's imaged throughout Scripture, according to Swedenborg, in all the wars in Scripture. So, you know, often Scripture points towards battles, towards conflict, and Swedenborg would read that metaphorically, just like all of Scripture, according to him, is metaphorical. And really, he says it's to illuminate our own journey, to invigorate us, to uh, shed some light on how we may get through our temptations, get through our life in healthier and healthier ways, just like this story does. He also relates it to many other 40-year, uh, 40-day stories in Scripture, because Swedenborg thought that even the numbers, the details of Scripture had these metaphorical meanings. For example, our story today, 40 days in the wilderness. He also relates uh, temptation metaphor to the 40 years in the wilderness that the Israelites go through. In fact, they also endure three major temptations. He relates it to the 400 years of slavery that the Israelites go through. In fact, although it doesn't really fit the story, if you read the story of the Israelites in Egypt, Scripture wants to make the point they've been here 400 years all of a sudden. And it's kind of an interesting insert. But I think maybe it does have to do with these metaphorical connections. And he also points to Noah's 40 days of flooding as a temptation story. I don't know. I don't know if it's true. It rings true for me, but that's also because of a lot of other strange connections in Scripture. If it doesn't ring true for you, that's okay. But I do find it illuminating that especially conflict, battles, is how Scripture often talks about temptation. So let's take a moment and open our hearts to all the battles around us. The conflict, the physical conflict in the world today, the tragedies of massacres, the recent massacre, the mosque in New Zealand, the hurt that we cause each other. If true, Scripture is trying to say the real thing that we should be battling are those propensities, those evils within us to, that try to get us to hurt each other, that put us in a posture of hate and dismissal, domination, murder. That is the true war. That is the true conflict. Let's take a moment of silence for our lost sisters and brothers. It's unfortunate that that is today's world often. And it may seem cliche, but I think peace starts within so that we can create peace without. Justice, action, is what it's about. But there's some action within our hearts. There's action within our reflections every day that can also cause a lot of pain and strife. 
people commit suicide because their internal environment is often so excruciating. And often it's because their external environment is excruciating. Let us help to alleviate that pain, those terrible circumstances that can lead to that escape often. Let us help each other find peace and so that our world is not full of war within its spirits and within its environments. With that, let's take another few moments, but these in order to actively pray. I'll play a little music as we do so. And for those of you in the chat seat, please uplift your, your prayers, your reflections as we do this. And I ask that you let yourself flow with it. Don't hold yourself to a certain structure or standard. Just open your heart and connect with God. sun had lost its flame I gathered wildflowers calling each of them by name I sat beside a stream I'd always fancied as a moat tossing petals on the water just to see how long they'd float It was mountain blue and silver with a touch of apple green Golden as my flowers And the sunlight and the grain Purple as the violet And the clover's fluffy crown And raven as the branches Of the evening settling down Then I heard a sound of anger And voices harsh and cruel The blasting of a shotgun and the laughter of a fool I saw not far above me A bird with bleeding wing Plummet to the ground before me A struggling helpless thing As I rushed to hold it near me Its body warm with fright I could feel the sunlight fading As the evening turned to night in one last hasty moment ere the sun could go to rest I stared in blank amazement at the colors on its breast They were mountain blue and silver with a spark of emerald green Golden as the heavens where this starling took its name Purple as the shimmer of a royal maiden's gown And raven as the branches Of the evening settling down I 
the shadow of a little sapling tree. I heard my elders laugh, their voices heavy on the breeze. But I held my angry words. I let the sorrow be my own, for the death of one small starling was a loss they could not know. Oh, the mountain blue and silver were the colors of the night, and the golden stars above me showed my homeward path alight. The purple hazy shadows settled down the night to stay, and the raven black of midnight helped to soothe me. Divine One within and in all, we uplift our prayers to you today. Our needs and desires we know you know, but help us connect with you further in them. Help us connect with each other in our diversity, uplifting each other's spirits and bodies as we also strive to uplift your earth around us in its health and in your embodiment within it. We give thanks for all the good things, Lord, despite the tragedies in our lives and around us. We know that you are present. Life is eternal in you, God. We give thanks for the day that you will wipe every tear from our eyes and the peace that you hope for us in every moment. Please help us to receive that peace, O God. Help us to connect with you, Goddess, in your loving kindness and wisdom. Inspire our walk today and tomorrow. Inspire our inspiration to uplift you and others. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you all for praying with me today. I want to read just a small part from the end of our multimedia message today. May we eventually find peace from this journey in the wilderness. May we turn to the truths and the parables of Scripture to inspire us, to illuminate and embolden our paths with God. May this world be uplifted by our reception of Christ's healing hand in our lives as we seek to inspire this journey of positive transformation and well-being in all peoples, of all beliefs and cultures, and in the earth around us. I thank you for connecting with us today. Please, again, if you want to connect with us, do so at SwedenborgianCommunity.org. You can also email me directly at minister at SwedenborgianCommunity.org. Let us remember those connections. Remember that there are many people hoping to receive you warmly, 
hoping to uplift you in your mindset, in wherever you're at, from wherever they're at. Sometimes that creates a little conflict, a little uh, heat, a little friction, but you know, they also say that's how we grow. Let us keep that conflict to its appropriate minimum within and without and uplift, uplift peace in our countenance. Let's blow out our candles as the Lord is present with us with, with or without our symbols. Let us close our scripture today allowing divinity's voice to stay open within. And please go forth knowing that you are quite loved. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.